What's up, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the Midwest Sportscast. I'm Ethan, and this is Frank. Hello. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we're just going to break down uh, this last week and going into the weekend, all the major sports that are either coming up or currently running, and we're just going to give you the info that we feel either isn't talked about or is or a different perspective on information that is talked about a lot. Um, So first things first, the NFL, notable moments that we saw over the last week. uh, Tua injures his rib, bringing in Jacoby Brissett for uh, the next week. Um, What are your thoughts on that, Frank? Um, I really don't know. Um, Jacoby Brissett's a serviceable quarterback, obviously. But um, I think this is setting the stage for Miami to go out and get Deshaun Watson on a later date. They're they're rumored to be connected, but I don't think it's going to happen this year. But I think uh, Tua has probably played his last game at the Dolphins. You think? Oh, that's a that's an interesting one. I haven't heard of. I haven't heard yet. Um, I do know that they're kind of sticking with him for now. Um, do you think with Deshaun Watson's issues though that they would uh, that they would be okay with bringing him over, even though even though he's got all that legal trouble? That's why I don't see it happening this season. I'm gonna they're gonna let him get his stuff out of the way and go from there. Gotcha. But next seems like ownership in the fan base in Miami never really gave Tua a chance, and they're kind of already over him. Yeah, I definitely agree. Tua kind of feels, I guess, forced at this point. Would be the correct, uh, I guess, would be the correct phraseology for that one. Yeah. So even if uh, even if Tua or Deshaun doesn't come over, and I still think Tua is done as a Dolphin. Right, well, we'll put that one under hot takes and see how this season goes, and let's we'll see if they keep him as their starter next season or if they're done with him. Um, uh, Andy Dalton uh, injured his knee last week, and this week Justin Fields gets the start. Um, I feel like this could be good for – I feel like for Chicago um, – just because they brought in Andy Dalton to quote unquote not make the rookie mistakes and in week one through a red zone interception, which I feel like is rookie mistake number one. Fields is gonna start at some point this year. I think it's just a little earlier in their plan than they want to do. Uh Gary, I think I was you know, when you're probably looking at in a normal year, maybe week eight or nine, probably about halfway through the season, having Fields take more of the more of the reins and more of the reps, but I don't think Fields starting week two is a bad thing. I think he played pretty well in the preseason. And I think this honestly, long-term, sets the Bears up for success as they can now see what their heir apparent a quarterback has. And they can focus on the offseason of the draft to build around him rather than still having that question mark, is Fields our guy? Now they'll know with a 15- or 16-game sample size if Dalton obviously didn't come back, but that is Fields actually our guy at the end of the year, or do we move on from him and start over without getting too deep into this? Yeah, I mean that's, I mean that would be a big issue for them just because that'd be two blown drafted quarterbacks in like five years. Um, I, but I definitely think Fields Ooh. is a much much better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, can't really uh, blow Trubisky. What? He was blown before he got there. That's true. Like, if the um, NFC North is known for, it is average to poor quarterback pay, Sands Green Bay. And I'm a Lions fan. It's not the quarterbacks that suck. It's the way these teams handle their quarterbacks. Yeah, it's the, it's definitely the front office and the GMs and the coaching. They don't – they think that if they just pick up the quarterback, everything else will just fall into place with what they have. And I don't think they realize that – even if you have this phenomenal quarterback, you still have to bring in the pieces and, and make him great. Because every, I mean, every legend ever in any sport had breaks, had teammates that made them or that elevated their game. I would say. 
Because the NFC North is like the one of the divisions that hasn't moved on in terms of football, where they want to play that old ground and pound style. And this is why you don't see a lot of NFC North teams compete. I mean, every year you can bank on, obviously, Detroit. And then one of Chicago or Minnesota being a bottom five or ten draft pick every year because the NFC North, is for some reason, cannot compete with the rest of the NFL. I think it's because they're stuck in the old-school mentality of just run it, run it, run it, and try to win a game 10-7 behind 300 rushing yards when you get teams scorching you for 400 or more passing yards. Yeah, I can I can agree with that for sure. Um, Carson Wentz exits the game late with an ankle injury, and later we found out this week that it was a double ankle sprain. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah, I mean, Carson Wentz is fragile. I mean, I think most of it has to do with just he's very he's very careless with his body, and he's very uh, reckless. And his, I guess his mentality, his mentality has always been, I'm just going to force it in here. I'm going to make stuff happen and it's going to be great. And it's just been hard on his body. Yeah. The only, like the only two things that you can't break on car is hard. Apparently everything else <laughs> has been broken and he still keeps coming back for more. I, I completely agree. But Weird. I mean, that, what I think it sets, um, it sets Jacob Eason up to start if I'm not mistaken. So yes, let me double check that. Out of Washington, and see what he can do. Um, and then this, I think they're going to try to do a one-two of Eason and uh, Brett Hundley. So let's see what happens. I think if uh, Wentz is out long term, I can definitely see them hitting the phones and trying to get a uh, a serviceable quarterback in there for the short or even long term. You you don't think they'll try and. You don't think they'll try and get Ellinger after he comes in back in off the IR? So I'm gonna look into him. Remember, he was he went on IR last year. Yeah, let me see if I can't find some info on him. The first thing that comes up, he was out five or as of a month ago, he was out about five to six weeks with a sprained knee. Um, That's interesting. Everything I'm seeing right now looks like his prognosis wasn't the greatest with the sprain. I don't know. If I don't need your guy, especially if he wins the game for the Colts and comes up there and says, hey, Colts, we're back. Um, because that didn't work out for him in Texas, clearly. Yeah. I mean, still, even with those three, I don't think you're contending in that division. I don't think you're going to contend in that division with uh, Wentz either. Yeah, honestly. Um, I mean, he's. I mean, at this point, I would say Wentz is a serviceable quarterback. He's not going to – he just doesn't have it. You know what I mean? Like, he had it when he went into Philadelphia, but just those years of getting destroyed in the season and, and getting so close to the playoffs and then terrible coaching and all this, that, and the other, and missing the Super Bowl, I just I think it's just beating him down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the I think that division obviously is going to be the Titans to lose. Absolutely. But no one in that division's off to a hot start right now. Uh, your division leader is the Titans at one and one. Yeah, they've still allowed a. Uh, they're still twenty four points behind in their uh, point. So, not looking good for the AFC South to start. But we will. We'll see how things turn around in the next couple of weeks. But I definitely think the uh, Colts, with their quarterback room being so depleted, are uh, definitely taking their way out of that conversation. Absolutely, Tyrod Taylor's hamstring, um, bringing in Davis Mills. First of all, I mean, you got to feel bad for Tyrod because, I mean, he's been bumped from I don't know how many teams. And then on top of that, he finally gets that team that's like, yeah, you're going to be our starter and we're going to keep you for a minute. And he get hurt week two. Well, I mean, he was uh, he was kind of slept on coming out of college. I mean, he had two Orange Bowl trips. And he was he was in that golden age of Virginia Tech. And then everyone kind of thought, the, you know, he would be something with the Bills. And then he since, you know, obviously had moved on from the Bills, so. Yeah, I know he was the guy for a little bit in uh, Cleveland. Until... Because he was, so he bounced, to, you know, he was drafted by Baltimore. Uh, and then, you know, free agent with the Bills. 
they traded him to uh, traded him to Cleveland, and then you know he's just been bouncing around to that, the Chargers and the Texans. And yeah, I mean, the whole thing with the Chargers went down where his very own team doctor is the one that ended his season. So, yeah, I don't know how severe his injury is, um, but I would believe if he's out for the year, I almost know. I don't know if we'll see Tyrod Taylor play another NFL game. Yeah, I mean. If we do, he's definitely going to just be that career backup guy. Um, he's definitely – he'll go to any team that will take him, I think, and then he'll end up just uh, being that backup against, like, a rock-solid quarterback. And what's like – I mean, I obviously, I hope the best for Tyrod. I mean, but his situation he's in is nothing, nothing short of crappy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just, he's just uh, had a lot of bad luck. While he's sitting on the IR year in, year out, and having his issues as the league is passing him by. But, I mean, definitely he's a – he'll be a serviceable backup somewhere. And I think a team will take him. Hopefully a team that will take him will prove him right. Beyond that, like I said, I don't – I don't see him being a full-fledged starter in the NFL again anyway. I mean, yeah. kind of didn't after the L.A. situation to begin with. Even in L.A., he was going to back up uh, – Rivers and then Herbert, so. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's kind of in that career bad spot. It's just he, you know, obviously was going to have a chance for a career resurgence in Houston because, you know, Deshaun Watson has all his stuff going on. And now, now what if you're the Texans, what do you do? Do you stick with Davis Mills or do you try to hit the phones and yeah, see I mean, back somewhere? Wall Davis, I mean, looking at the stat line from last night, I mean, Davis Mills was 19 of 28, 168 yards and one touchdown to Sam Darnold's 23 of 34 and 304 yards. What a bounce back by Darnold. Oh, absolutely. I I definitely felt that the Jets were the issue with him. It's just the Jets don't know how – like, they're just a dumpster fire. Everything about that, that whole franchise. Both the New York teams are. I got Danny Dodds. It's struggling, and yeah, it's not looking pretty. Absolutely. Yeah. Moving on to difference makers in the NFL, um, was Justin Herbert down? Um, I'm sure everyone at this point has seen the replay, but uh, Justin Herbert's backpedaling, running away from defenders, running backwards. And as defenders get to him, he throws the ball, but the referee blows the whistle and calls him down, saying that because he no longer had forward motion and was touched by a defender, he was down. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think, I think it ties back into what Tom Brady said about you get defenses being penalized for offense mistakes. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, mean, I, another part of it is, is – Herbert would have allowed him and sacked and take the yard. Yeah. It's, you know, and now he's just getting touched and they're ruling it a sack, which means, okay, you're still getting sacked and losing the yards. But you're just not getting hit. Like, are we getting to the point to where quarterbacks are going to start wearing red jerseys on the field and having belts on? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my issue is, is, I mean, like, that's a thin line. Because, I mean, how many times have you seen. I mean, I, numerous quarterbacks. I'm shoot. I'm probably. I'm sure you've seen Patrick Mahomes do it. He runs this huge circle away from the defense, but he's like running straight backwards and then loops around back forward. So I mean, it's like that. There's a thin line between Justin Herbert being down and Patrick Mahomes being down. It's called like, extending the play, and exactly if you're taking your quarterback's right to extend the play. And you might as well just start having them call no rushing in the at uh, the line of scrimmage like you do in touch football. Yeah. And or five Mississippi or rush. Or seven Mississippi rush. Like if you can't let anybody pass your line, then I guess holds need to start becoming legal. Absolutely. Moving on to the Tennessee Titans, uh, second half comeback. I mean, at the first half down twenty four nine. And then Derrick Henry just c- turns it on and has an immaculate fourth quarter with 107 rushing yards. I mean, Bama just knows yeah. how to produce 
running backs at this point. I know, I know the NFL MVP is basically the quarterback award now, but if the quarterback does not win it, Derrick Henry should absolutely be in, in the MVP. I definitely think he should be in the discussion. I think it, I think it depends on how far he carries the Titans. If he carries them deep into the postseason, then I would say, yeah, for sure, he should be in that conversation this year. But if they, I'd say if they don't make it to the playoffs, you can't really call him an MVP because an M, I feel like an MVP should be able to put their team on on their back and carry them as far as they can. Well, I mean, you, you see it in all sorts of sports. So the MVP is the regular season award. That's why they have a postseason MVP in these other sports. I guess that's true. I mean, Taylor Hall won the MVP in the NHL, and Connor McDavid's won the MVP twice in the NHL. Yeah. Um, like, pretty. Yeah. Like, I'll have to look into it. I want to say that like, I have guys like Barry Sanders and – like did Calvin Johnson ever win an MVP? Like, yeah, Barry Sanders did win the 1997 MVP award. So, yeah, I know what you're saying is postseason success would have something to do with it. But if a Lions running back can win the MVP, <laughs> anyway. there's no reason Derrick Henry should not be a front runner outside of any quarterback. Yeah, I, I can concede that. That's that's definitely a valid statement. Tyron, Tyron Matthew, uh, yeah. two pitches in the first game, one of them a pick six. He's had in his um, brief time with the Chiefs, he's now up to 12 picks in just about two years of games played, um, whereas his career up until then he had – seems as far as shutting the other team down defensively as far as turnovers, he's uh, – He's definitely hit that next level with the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. He's a, he's a turnover machine. He gets fumbles. He gets interceptions. He does. I mean, he does a very good job in the in our secondary, our front, our front line. Though our front, the front four for the Chiefs, they're yeah, is bad. I mean, we you've got Chris Jones on your right side, Frank Clark on your left, and a doorman for your middle, and it's I mean, it's bad. Yeah, as a as a Chiefs fan, it's just brutal to watch games. I mean, I feel like that was our issue in the Super Bowl. Um, Everyone was like, "Oh, it's your offensive line." Well, no, our center and our two guards, our three middle linemen, starting that game, were backups against the absolute best playoff front four last year. Yeah, and you're gonna tell me, and you're gonna tell me that, yeah, it's the line. Well, no, because we had two starters. We had two peak guys on the line that started the season. Of course we're going to struggle against that. It's the defense who literally lets te- offenses move at will as long as they run the ball. Yeah, and then countering the fact that I mean, essentially figured out the uh, the Chiefs' game plan. Of, I mean, I'm pretty sure, and they even asked Mahomes about this, was uh, I'm pretty sure the game plans, fuck it, Tyreek down there somewhere. <laughs> so He's, sometimes it is like that. He has said that sometimes he does just see Tyreek's hand up in there and he just said, He's down there. Send it. I mean, it's just, it's basically teams now they have, they can scheme for Patrick Mahomes and shut him down effectively enough to where you can have your offense do what they need to do. Yeah. You, I don't, mean, need to, you don't need to beat them 45 42. You can beat them. You know, thirty-five, twenty-eight now, or twenty-eight, twenty-one now. But the the trick is with the Chiefs is to contain the offense the whole game, because while they may not be firing on all cylinders in the in the first half and maybe only put up 20, 21 points, the second half you can bet they're making the adjustments they need to make to allow Patrick Mahomes to air it out to Tyreek or Travis Kelsey or uh, any of the other wide receivers that we've got that are just absolute speed. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got six touchdowns and one pick on the year. I mean, nothing says containing an offense the guy off, so. I mean, I don't know, I, if, they can, if they can keep his interceptions low and his touchdowns up and key, you know, kind of keep that same ratio – and shore up their defensive front, they'll be okay. I mean, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure their division's going to be fine. Um, yeah, 
Because I don't think anybody else in their division's honestly that great. The thing with that interception, though, was it was off a tip. So, I mean, it's not super necessarily containing it. It's not like Tyron mm-hmm. Matthews, which were, I mean, almost straight passes to him. Yeah, I mean, I mean you're, you're in the division, the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Chargers. Like, One, Raiders, I would say top toughest division the Broncos, the, the Broncos have started hotter than what they probably are. Agreed. Very much. Um, same with the Raiders. I think they're more or less bolstered by, you know, smacking the uh, – Oh, dude, they're bolstered by the fact that Derek Carr's thrown over 800 yards in two games. That is 100% their game that, plan. I mean, they got an OT win over the Ravens. Okay, cool. That was a whole cluster to begin with how that game ended. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then they beat a bad Pittsburgh team, so – yeah, I mean, and an aging Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, or not even aging, just a cooked Ben Roethlisberger. He's done. And then that doesn't help that the Broncos have played two of the worst teams. Like the Broncos are going to three and zero because they play three of the bottom five teams in the NFL. Oh yeah, I mean they're they're not a play. They don't have a playoff schedule. And then, and then they're going to hit like actual by the time they play teams. the Chiefs, they're going to be over five hundred. Yeah, for sure. Because I don't think I don't think the Browns are as good as they believe they are. Mm-mm. Uh, the Broncos Raider. The going into the Raiders game, there could be four and one. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. Then they've got the Washington football team and Dallas. After that, like as soon as they're done with Cleveland, they play everybody. Like they play three of the four teams in the NFC East. Oh, like, they got yeah, a. They got a game against the Lions on the schedule. They got a game against the Bengals on the schedule. Like, there's a legit shot the Broncos wind up as a wild card just because their schedule is soft. Trash. Yeah, it's a it's a cupcake schedule. Taylor Heineke thinks he can be Washington's starter after Ryan Fitzpatrick's injury. Um, Does anyone care about the Washington football team? <laughs> I mean, currently right now, I don't think so. I think I think they have the probably top. I would say top five, maybe even top three defense in the league. But other than that, I mean, there's just not – there's no pop on the offense from anybody from what – just from I mean, what they're, I've they're watched. One and what one. I've seen. They're one and one, and they're still three points behind on the points. Bro. Jeez. That's pretty bad. And they lead, they're technically leading the uh, NFC East. Jeez. Monday night, uh, Aaron Rodgers goes – 22 of 27, 255 yards and four touchdowns, making him a perfect 7 and 0 following a loss in the Matt LaFleur area with 20 touchdowns and no picks. I mean, until the he third quarter <laughs> until the I mean, I'm going to I mean, I by no means am a Detroit fan. Like I don't hate him, but I don't like him either. Just watching the game objectively. I don't like him either. Fan. I'm a Detroit fan. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke. They are a joke. Any sports teams in Michigan are a joke. I mean, here's my here's my take on the game on Monday night's game. Until the wheels fell off in the third quarter, they were contending, they were in the lead, and they looked comfortable. And then the Packers got ahead, and now Jared Goff is playing from behind. He feels that pressure. And then on top of that, they just had bad luck, man. But no, like bad luck, bad decisions, bad turnovers. Like that's the Lions' mo every year. We botched the <laughs> fail Mary. We put we put a JV out week in week out. Wonder why we suck and go zero and sixteen for the first time in NFL history. Like all, all I gotta he, say to that is it's not Matt Stafford's fault. Everyone in no. I feel like I knew it wasn't anyway. It was like, I feel like a lot of fans though were like, "Oh, it's Matt Stafford's fault. We need to get rid of him." Well, he was the lone shining star in your offense for. I mean, this season was like the first time in damn near twenty years that they started a game without Matt Stafford. No, I'll say it wasn't that long, but it feels like it was. I mean, every season feels like thirty-two weeks because you're just getting your doors blown off. <laughs> Like, 
teams in their locker rooms, they'll put like honor, integrity, and respect or whatever. The Lions are like, suck, lose, cry. Bad luck, like, bad decisions, bad They turnovers. They required face coverings at games before it was cool. They were just in the form <laughs> of a paper bag. Like, two of, the, oh. two of the arguably best players to ever play in their position, respectively, with Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, walked away from the game because the Lions sucked that bad. No, Barry walked away because he had an injury. <laughs> like, it is, it is not a fun – it's not a fun place to be. Yeah, I wonder I mean, their golf. Like I don't know. Like that just that makes you respect Matt even more now that he's gone because he's stuck he's with him. Still, for he's so still out balling out in L.A., but he stuck with that for so long and through so much shit. Yeah, yeah I mean now, I mean, hundred percent. I think they're a solid number two or three seed playoff team. I'd have to see how the, we'll have to see how the season turns out. They could end up being a number one, but I mean, golf is absolutely balling out in LA. You talking about you talking about the Rams with Stafford? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I want to look at their schedule, but I mean, they've got probably one of the best defensive fronts in the league. Yeah, they've got they've got a quarterback now that can hit these targets. Yeah, I mean, uh, super. They've got, a, they've got a big test this week hosting the hosting the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, I mean their schedule hasn't been hard to start, but we will definitely, definitely be interesting. And that'll be a game to keep for everyone to keep their eyes on, really. Moving on to college football. Clemson struggles against Georgia Tech and UCLA falls to Fresno State. Two teams that, I mean, honestly should have been, both should have been 40-point blowouts. I mean, just, I mean, Clemson barely put more than 15 points over Georgia Tech's score. And UCLA, I didn't even see the score of that game. I just knew they got, they just lost, which is not good for their franchise. Yeah. Also, by the way, it was not due to an injury, Barry Sanders. It wasn't. Oh, I'm thinking the quarterback. His exact quote was was injury. The reason I am retiring is simple. My desire to exit the game is greater than my desire to remain in it. I'm thinking of Billy Sims. He had the same number as Sanders, but was there two years before. That is exactly what the Lions have on their door, above their locker room, going out to the field. (laughs) Is my desire to exit the game is greater than my desire to play it. Whereas winning teams have played like a champion today, that is precisely what is on the Lions locker room and explains quite a bit. <laughs> um, so what's yeah, your feeling I mean, on Clemson and I mean, UCLA? well, you finally got rid of your 60-year senior in uh, Trevor I'm pretty sure Hunter Renfro is still a receiver. I'm no, do pretty much a doctorate by now. Um, no, Hunter Renfro. Yeah, he's, he's been gone NFL for a while. I'm just saying it seemed like it seemed like him and Lawrence were there for a decade. Never. They no. hung in there by one score against probably the best team in the nation outside of Alabama or Georgia, and they only lost by seven points. They don't have any ranked games remaining on their schedule. Like Clemson's gonna be fine. They control their own destiny. I don't know if they'll make the playoff just because their schedule does look weak. But if they keep, yeah, they've got what well, NC State tomorrow, followed up by Boston College, Syracuse, Pitt, Florida State at home. So that takes away the uh, Seminoles crowd. Yeah, and there's got... a couple of games on there, and I'm mainly looking at that South Carolina game to end the yeah. season. But I still think Clemson will be okay. They're going to iron out some kinks. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, UConn's going to be an easy game. Wake Florida is going to be an easy game. I think the I think the team that lost by Wake seven Florida and beat South Carolina State by 46 is closer to what Clemson is than the team that beat Georgia Tech by six. Agreed. <laughs> Arkansas goes 3-0 and and gets ranked for the first time since 2016 and moves from the 20 position to the 16 position this week. Um, they've got a – I feel like they have a 
pretty tough go against a this week? They're going into a four-week make-or-break stretch. Are you legit or are you not? Agreed. I think this is going to be the most entertaining four-week stretch in college football, at least for the next four weeks. Um, Their defense, I mean, has been playing lights out all season long. Their offense, while I feel like at times has been shaky, has still produced a lot of numbers. I mean, because you got to think, yeah, you're you're 3-0 when you're ranked. Your big jump in ranking obviously comes off of beating Texas, plus a lot of the bottom 15, bottom 10 have been kind of – that pack's been separated. It's kind of average. Yeah, well, I mean, they weren't even – they went so number – Very interchangeable. Yeah, I mean, when they beat Texas, that's what got them ranked in the first place, got them number 20. Yeah, and, and then, they're up to 16 because people in front of them on it. Like they, they keep winning and people in front of them keep losing. That's true. Yeah. That's, that's what you see. That's how you see teams that crawl into the top 10, even though they're more of a like an 18 or a 19, just because teams lose and you have to, you can't punish a team for winning. That's true. But I mean, I think that Arkansas game against Texas more or less that Texas isn't legit again. I mean, because for, I mean, you're playing for Southern. Yeah, I think if you keep it close against A and M in Georgia, I think you're more legit than riding a three game high and beating an overrated Texas squad. Um, I mean, I th- my, this is my pick for the game. My I'm going to say Arkansas Arkansas wins seventeen to twenty eight because. I think if A&M has their quarterback, it would be a tougher game, and it might be a higher scoring game for both teams. But yeah. I feel like Arkansas is not going to feel like they need to step on the gas right out of the gate. And so I think their offense might stall the first one or two series, and then they'll kick it in gear, and by the end of the game, we'll look up. It'll be 28-17. I think, honestly – I think A&M is going to probably drop the next two. I think uh, – or, I mean, Arkansas, I think A&M is too good. I think Georgia is really good. I think it'll be a close game against them, and that could go either way, but I definitely think uh, Georgia is going to be a wake-up call to see how good Arkansas Agreed. Arkansas – I mean, Georgia being number two, like – I mean, and all they're doing this season is just blowing everybody's doors off. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. So the rivalry game, OU versus Nebraska, uh, lived up to its name. Sooners edge out the Huskers 23-16, but I think the question on everyone's mind now is, is Rattler right or is he hype? So I think it's – I mean, it's kind of a mix of both. I think if you're coming off three average quarterbacks, I think he's hype, or I think he's right for the hype. But you're coming off, you know, Baker, Kyler, and then – or services you had of Jalen Hurts, like, I think his his bar was just set so high. Like, like you're 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 seeing with him like a precursor of what you're honestly seeing with Arch Manning. And the reason Spencer's bar is set so high is the same thing you're seeing with Arch Manning, where this kid has you know barely played any high school ball and he's getting so recruited. And that's the same thing that Spencer. Like this kid was like Spencer lottery prize of quarterbacks in that class. Yeah. Um, honestly, I mean, looking looking at their stat lines from Baker, Kyler, and Jalen, and then going to Spencer, I mean, he's not that far off. I mean, we're talking a difference from Jalen of 0.6 percentage and from Rattler to Kyler and Baker of 0.7. So, I mean, he's on – I mean, he's already got more touchdowns in his career than Jalen had. Granted, he's had more seasons to do it. You also got to think there's some games where with Spencer Rattler at the helm where they've just beat up on people. That's true. Like, I mean, he – how many touchdowns did he have in the Western Carolina game? A lot. Like, he had five touchdowns in that game alone. Yeah, I was going to say it was either four or five. He had a lot. Just talking strictly stat line, I feel that Rattler is basically what OU's seen. He just doesn't have those – on-field intangibles that everyone's used to seeing with Baker, Kyler, and Jalen. What I'm seeing with Spencer, and you kind of you kind of see this in his pregame warm-up and just kind of his demeanor. 
he's more there for the flash of college football. Yeah. Rather than he's not he's not gonna be a Jalen where he's putting in work after a game. He's not like he's he's your stereotypical QB one. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm the quarterback, you know, I'm he's not I'm like that's guy. the thing. He's he's not like Baker, Kyler, and Jalen who all at some point or another got booted from their QB one position and appreciate it more and are willing to put in more all the work. I'm just I'm just shocked that the next man up, or at least going forward in the next like recruiting classes, I'm surprised that OU is not huge on Arch Manning. Like why if he's supposedly gonna be the best Manning to come out of that family and Lincoln Riley is the quarterback whisperer that he is, why is this why is this dream matchup not coming? Because I'm sure OU feels like they've probably already got somebody ready to go. Because you're <clears throat> Go ahead. Yeah, we'll have to see, but I mean, to go like a, a quarterback like Manning doesn't come along. That's true. Very often, like, and with, I mean, Lincoln Riley took Jalen Hurts from a former Alabama Bama. starter to a Heisman finalist. Like, yeah, he took a he took an MLB draft pick and turned him into a Heisman winning quarterback. Like, and an NFL quarterback. Like, I mean, Lincoln Riley does. Amazing things for quarterbacks, and I'm surprised that not only are they not going after Manning, but Manning's also not like trying to get to OU. Myself with Lincoln Riley can just absolutely do wonders for me as a quarterback. Yeah, it is that is kind of shocking just because, yeah, I mean, Lincoln Riley, I mean, he was Baker's OC, um, Kyler's head coach, Jalen's head coach, and now Spencer's head coach, and I mean. Looking at their stat lines, I mean, Baker, I mean, I know it was Baker was technically under Bob Stoops, but Baker's got almost 12,300 passing yards. Collar has, in two seasons as a starter, has over 4,000. Like, he is basically 280 yards away, like one game away from three, from, from 5,000 yards in two seasons. And Jalen in one season is – 149 yards from 4,000 yards. I mean, that. I mean, that. I feel like that does speak volumes to a potent offense, or at least just really good quarterbacks. One of the two. Yeah. Um, USC head coach search. Um, rumors going around that it's Urban Meyer or Eric Bieniemy. Right now, it's neither of them. Um, you're not going to take an NFL guy. And put him on a put him on a college head coaching pedestal during the season. Yeah, yeah absolutely no. I, I don't think. I mean, I think Urban Meyer will wait out his contract. I mean, that's kind of his mo. He never usually leaves early. Uh, he um, does. He makes up some kind of scandal or health reason to avoid a scandal. <laughs> so once Urban Meyer, like you know, that someone on the Jaguars gets accused of something. <laughs> oh my gosh. That. But, uh, no, I think Urban Meyer might retest the college ranks. But, honestly, if it's not SC, I would look to see him going to Michigan if they ever decide to move on from Harbaugh. Moving on to one of our favorite sports, hockey. Um, Artemi Panarin announces that he does not want to be the Rangers captain and he feels that there are more deserving candidates on the team. Um, I definitely feel like Zabanajad would be worthy, um, or Kreider. Um, what's your take on that? You kind of follow, you follow hockey or able to follow hockey more than I can. I honestly think they're going to run with all. I mean, they, I know the coach said they're going to have a captain night one. I, just, I don't know if the guy that's going to be there is in that room right now. Um, oh, you you think they'll pick someone up before the season? Not before this season. I think they're going to slap a C on somebody, and then they're going to get somebody in the future that might um, replace that guy, or they might even run two captains. Like you'll see teams, you'll see teams run a captain on the road and a different captain at home. But let me let me pull up the roster here. So, see who uh, I so hot take. Um, do you think if uh, Eichel gets his gets his issues fixed, um, 
do you think he get he ends up in New York as the captain? We will we will see. Um, I think the hotter take on Eichel is I think he's honestly going to retire because the Sabers are going to botch this up so bad. Uh, Truba had an A, and then I would assume yeah, Kreider had the other A. Yeah. I was going to say, I think Kreider's had an A for a while now. Honestly, if it's not Kreider, I can honestly see them going back in and actually giving the C to uh, Truba. But I think your your captain now is setting up for your captain of the future, which would probably be looking at Adam Fox or probably Lafreniere. Yeah. Um, or even someone they acquire. But I think you're going to want you're going to want a homegrown your homegrown your captain. Absolutely. You want someone who's got who like understands your culture and came up in your culture. So I would say Fox Lafreniere. I don't think Kako is gonna have the English like Panarin. Yeah. Um Chara enters his twenty fourth season as a New York Islander going back where it all started. Does he retire an Islander? Uh, I think it depends on how his body holds up. And how the Islanders do, and how the Islanders manage him. Um, Lou Lamorello is a no nonsense GM to wide in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know how much hands on he's going to have with another old guy like Chara. But like, I think it's if it becomes too much of a problem, like I can absolutely see Lamorello with the dude. But. You think- you think they say they're done with him if he's got issues midway through the season? I, I think Lamorello would just be the kind of guy to put him on LTIR to finish the year. Wow. Uh, I mean, it's the same dude that doesn't allow te- like allow teams to have facial hair. And when the NHL did the reverse retro- retros last year, the Islanders fan base was clamoring for the Gordon Fisherman jersey. And he literally popped out the um, – the navy blue right uh islanders logo because they're more of a royal now yeah but he busted out the old navy uh islander sweater and then flipped the two stripes called that reverse retro retro and that was it they have the most lackluster reverse retro in the entire league that's insane like, that's almost lamarillo is to the play, fans play money ball and to win games that is wow and he doesn't he doesn't care for the nostalgia. He doesn't, you know, he, he's just like a, he's a no bullshit guy. Like you're either gonna play in my system the way I want you to play like for this organization, or you're not gonna be part of this organization. Wow. Like hold on to the contract, enjoy holding out for a contract. Like I mean, like it, it depends on how his body holds up and how the the Islanders use him. If they can go deep, I don't know. I don't. I doubt he's gonna play top pair minutes. Um, I think maybe second pair, third pair, even some nights he might be the seventh defenseman. Like, wow, that that's a. I feel like that could. I mean, I feel like you're probably right because I mean, 24 years. I mean, that puts him in his mid 40s. I mean, I mean, maybe if he started early enough, late 30s. But I mean, that's as a D man, that's brutal for that long. Like, because uh, on your your defense, like you've got a bunch of vets, so you know he's definitely fitting in there with the um, the vet vibe. But honestly, he's so reasonable signing; he's not even on the roster currently. Wow! Like Dobson's a stud; he's a young kid. He'll be playing. You got you got Boychuk still back there. You got, you got dudes that are going to be in your top four. I think. Char is going to play a protected role to try to keep him from overexerting himself and getting hurt. Yeah. And see how that goes. But I don't think he's a top hair defenseman. He hasn't been a top hair defenseman for a while. If you use him well, I think he might still stick around. But I think him signing with the team that drafted him does kind of allude to – It feels like that set up to that retirement. I'm wrapping this up kind of thing. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Flurry contemplates retirement after trade to Blackhawks. How does the multi-time Vesna winner look going into his 18th season? So, 
Chicago is going to be an interesting team to watch this year. They've got a lot of young talent up front, and they also they do have a really kind of bright spot last year. They also didn't have they didn't have Taves for last year. They didn't have um, they didn't have Kirby Doc last year. Like they had a couple guys that were out all year last year, but like they're getting they've bolstered their front end. Taves is back to go play with Kane. Um, They've got a good goaltender in Lankinen, who was one of, like I said, one of the bright spots last year behind Flurry. Like my question is their D core. Yeah, so I was gonna say if their D isn't good in front of him, I think that's gonna definitely push him to retire at the end of this season. Well, you got sure. look at the defense that they won the cup with at Pittsburgh last year. It wasn't much better. Um, I think you got a top pair in front of you. I think probably of Don and Jones of Seth Jones and Caleb Jones are playing the second pair. Like you've got a really solid top pair with the Han and Jones. And then you've got, you know, your middle four or your bottom four or whatnot. But I think Chicago is going to surprise some teams this year. Um, and I think how surprising they are depends on what Flurry does. And also, again, of the Char thing, it's how they use him. Are they going to do a one a one B with Lincoln in, or are they going to start with Flurry as the starter, and then as the season goes off, maybe go one A one B. Yeah, really I mean, if they treat Flurry right, Flurry is the kind of guy where he's going to stick around. And be like, okay, you know, you're scratching my back. I'm gonna scratch yours. I'm not gonna. I like, guess all reason out on you in the first place because you know Vegas obviously screwed him over. Or and then Chicago was you know very personal to him like hey if you don't want to play here we understand but we, like, we want to try to make this work and he's like okay if you want to be respectful to me I'll honor my end of it and play for you. Yeah, I know. I know he did come out and say like the big reason he actually he and his family decided to actually go to Chicago was because Chicago called him right when the trade happened and said hey like we want to give you some time to think about it we understand the situation you're in just give us just let us know. But I mean, I think the central the central is going to be such a close division. Like you're talking them missing the playoffs by points. I mean, obviously your your front runners in the central you're going to have the Avalanche clearly, you know, embracing their modern version of the Capitals, where they're going to win the President's Trophy and then finish in the start losing the second round. But like your the central division is going to be close, but not like the Metro where it's close with good teams, it's going to be close with decent teams. (laughs) But like the avalanche and then like the next spots, you've got the wild, the blues, the star, the jets and the Blackhawks that can all contend for those playoff spots. Yeah, that does. It does sound like not not necessarily a tougher division, but more like a uh, it's a more balanced division, more com- more balanced and competitive division for sure. Like the only like the only teams I think you don't have to worry about in the or the only team you don't have to worry about in the central is probably the Coyotes. Yeah, depending on how the transitioning into a era with Soros as the full time starter, not Rene, we'll see. I know the yeah. Coyotes are scoring goals, but they're also a really sound defensive team. So that the central is more like outside of, you know, Chicago and Colorado, like you got teams that are solid defensively, but don't score. Yeah. Like kind of like the, like the, the multi-time cup champion uh, Kings, they might've, they beat you by like one or two, like one or two to nothing. They never yeah, they really, were, they were never that high scoring team. They just smothered you with their defense. Yeah, but I will say, and we can do more of a breakdown next week of more NHL predictions, but I will say let's keep an eye on the Wild this year. They got Kaprizov back. I know they were trying not to lose him to the KHL. He re-signed for five. They got the Suter and Parise contracts out the books. Looking forward to what the Wild can do next year. Yeah, that. Yeah, that, I feel like those contracts were definitely holding them back as far from – being able to get the players that I feel like they probably needed to get farther. Which uh, brings me back kind of to the um, Islanders. We can touch on more NHL next week for sure. because We'll be in the full swing of preseason at that point. Going to have more of a um, more of a 
the sense of what's going to happen, but Parise is also on the Islanders with Chara, so they could be something this year. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> lastly, um, thoughts on the Kraken. Um, they've come out and said they've set their sights on the cup for this year. Um, well, what do you expect them to say? Um, is there, that... what do you, I love all these these baited questions and answers like what do you want these teams and players to say oh no we're just here to we're here to get a lottery pick this year like no you're gonna <laughs> endear yourself to your fans say you're gonna contend for a cup like even Buffalo shows at the training camp like yeah we're here to win a Stanley Cup like you're not gonna sniff the Stanley Cup What time you have up in your hand is if you bought a replica drinking glass off of eBay and you're going to have your Kool Aid out of it. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're going to sit there and camp and, like, yeah, we're here to win. We're here to win the cup because that's what you're supposed to say. Like, yes, the Kraken are there to win a cup because why else are you playing NHL if you don't want to win a cup? I feel like they could be a wild card spot um, with that roster. Um, because against their division, they've got the three California teams four times a year. So, I mean, they're, that's 16 games that are almost guaranteed wins. Well, so the thing with games. the Kings are going to be sneaky. The Kings have the best prospect pool in the NHL, probably. Definitely in the West. The thing that Seattle's really got going for them is they probably have one of the better goaltending tandems out in the Pacific, if not the entire West. Um, with uh, Grubauer and uh, Dreger. Mm-hmm. So they can definitely – I wouldn't be shocked with how weak the Pacific is if they do sneak into a playoff spot or a wild card. But as far as – like, I don't know exactly what their like, roster is going to do. We'll see. I mean, we didn't think Vegas was going to do anything, and they were cup finalists here one. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think that's maybe what they're looking at as far as like ownership. Is they're like, oh, well, if Vegas did it, we can do it too. But Vegas, I think that's very that's the unfair benchmark, which unfortunately I think has set up Seattle and any other expansion teams for failure. Yeah, I agree. Before, like, you had like the expansion process was broken where these teams expansion were not making the playoffs for five to 10 years after expansion. Wow. So, teams like Atlanta and like the teams like Florida and like all these teams that just suck for so long. They don't have a fan base anymore. That's true. Like, the world is such an instant gratification thing now. Like, why do you think Vegas's fan base is so strong? Is because they came out year one as a win. But, like, yeah, it's like you have to, for the go to these games, like, these teams have to be competitive. Yeah, that's true. Because you're you're establishing a foothold winter sport in Seattle, like they're team back at some point. Like you need to get your market share while you can. Yeah, so that's for true. Seattle says you need to be competitive. Agreed, but, absolutely. Especially with how much I feel like NHL just struggles against the big three sports, anyways. Like they need to get their they need to get their market value while they can. So they can keep that and retain that fan base when something else comes along. But their um, their roster, I mean, I think it's a solid roster. I don't think you're missing some of the high end talent that you see with Vegas and Edmonton. But you're also not, I think, a total scrub lineup like you're going to see with San Jose, and like you know, you got all your. I know they're not in the same division, but, like, Arizona's got probably one of the worst rosters in the NHL. Yeah. So, it's going to be it's gonna be fun to watch. I'm actually going to see them in person. So, it's going to be even better. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think, like I said, they're going to probably sneak into a playoff spot just because Pacific's weak. But I don't think they're going to hit the Vegas bar. I think – I think they're going to probably be around one exit team. That's, I mean, honestly, I feel like that's still better than most expansion teams of the past anyways. I mean, so. yeah, like if, you know, there's there's some teams that went five, ten plus years without making a playoff after expansion. Yeah. And if, like, Columbus has only won, like, one series win in their entire history. Like, yeah, that's gnarly. 
Moving on to MLB, uh, Kansas City Royals, uh, Salvador Perez passes Hall of Famer Johnny Bench for most home runs by a catcher in a single season. And, I mean, this was Monday or Tuesday, I believe, tied Vladimir Guerrero for the 2021 home run lead at 46. I I haven't looked in to see if that's still the case or if Vladimir Guerrero has passed him again. Um, But... I mean, 46 home runs in a single season for a catcher, I mean, is nothing to – I mean, that's – No, I think he'd be – he'd probably be up there in the um, MVP race if he was on a contending team. Agreed. Um, just – He'll definitely be a – I think he'll definitely be a silver slugger, and I think if they had a platinum slugger award, he'd probably get it this year. Or next yeah, year. him and uh, him and Vladdy are still tied at forty six, and uh, Tani is one behind them at forty five, according to ESPN. There you go. So, I mean, I definitely feel like there's going to be some contention there. To I mean, it'll be if he does end up leading the MLB at the end of the season of the first time a catcher has led the MLB in home runs in the history of the sport. I would honestly think, as much as Salvi is, you know, hitting dingers. I think since Vladimir's got more, honestly, to play for right now, yeah, I think he's going to have it just kind of in his willpower to really Bring make sure some. he's hitting contacts. But, I mean, Salvi is your RBI leader with 115. Um, yeah. So, I mean, he's having a great season. It's just it sucks it's on a not a good team. Yeah. And lastly, to wrap yeah. things up, uh, do you have a stadium review for us? Uh, not currently. Um, I will. I do want to touch on the home run thing one more time, though. With Otani sitting at forty-five, you're also looking at the fact that he's been shut down as a pitcher for the rest of the year, so he's strictly focused on batting too. So we that might make it more interesting. Yeah, I mean, with two weeks left in the season, that could create a push for him to try and take the lead. Because again, he's a good hitter on a bad team. So yeah. But we shall see. And you also got, I mean, you got Tati or Fernando Tatis, who's slowed down a little bit. He's at 40. Like, you've got your top five in home runs are all within six home runs of each other. So that is insane. Yeah. Um, I think, honestly, if, if Salvi can win the home run title and the RBI crown, I don't see why you don't give him the silver slugger. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely think he'll get. He'll get the silver slugger this year just because, I mean, he's he broke Johnny Bench's record, and baseball is all about tradition and records. So they're going to give that nod to Salvi. Um, he's, also, he's also doing it with a sub-300 batting average, I believe. He's not in your top five batting average or top five in hits. Yeah, no, he's – I mean, he's just cranking home runs, and that's it. Which, fun fact, uh, his teammate, good old Whit Merrifield, is actually fourth in hits. Yeah, Wits, Wits, since I feel like he got into the league uh, four or five years ago, I want to say he has uh, he's led the league in, in some category, whether it's stolen bases or batting average. Yeah, but I, I think, honestly, it's going to come down to Vlad or Vladi, and I think Vladi just leading too many categories. Yeah, he's I mean, he's batting 322. He's got 46 homers. He's while well, Salvi's got the RBIs at 115. Like Vladdy's got 105. It's nothing to shake your head at. Yeah, I mean he's first and he's third non-base percent. He's third in slugging percent. And I, like, I definitely feel like the reason yeah. Salvi's leading in RBIs is has a lot to do with the fact that a lot of his. Uh, home runs I, I i know of at least two or three that have been three run home runs or uh grand slams yeah so i think i think vladdy's just got to he's just having such a good season bat what batting wise that i don't think he's going to be caught by seven. i think it'll be an interesting thing to follow um but i think that wraps us up for this week um anything you want to add frank nope i'm uh Looking forward to next week. Uh, should be in the should be in the full swing of preseason. I think preseason games honestly starts. Let me see when the preseason starts. I want to say there's probably some preseason games this weekend. 
Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I think they start late, which, I mean, we are in late September. I want to say the last weekend, which I think is this weekend, so. Yeah, they uh, pre- start tomorrow. we got to get a, get some good looks at some some teams. And they're uh, more or less a prospect pool is obviously your big guns aren't going to play night one, but. Yeah. Yeah, we got um, got preseason starting tomorrow. We got some good college and NFL action going on this week, so it'll be uh, we got some fun stuff to talk about next week. Absolutely. All right. Well, from Midwest Sportscast, this is Ethan. You already know, and that's Frank. And we'll see you guys next week.